Welcome to Blind Shovel, an arts and music podcast. Today I interviewed Dang Wayne Olson, a very psychedelic and trippy fine artist, a very good basketball player. We met many years ago in the Bay Area, and we immediately clicked. Enjoy. What's up, dude? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's been a long time. Yeah. How long? I, um. Jeez, did did I have did I have a kid when last time I saw you? I never met your child. How old is your kid? She just turned three this week. Wow. Yeah. So. Probably almost three years, maybe. Yeah, you still, uh, I remember you were like managing property. No. I no, know. that's over? Yes. Good. That was bad. You didn't like that, no? No. So, yeah, what's up with the kid? Tell me about that. Um, well, she's a, she's a girl named Goldie. Uh-huh. And she is... um. Pretty, pretty great, you know. She's got, <laughs> she's got a crazy imagination, and she's just talks all the time. And nice, yeah. yeah. How has that? How has that impacted making art for you? Having a child. This is a very important question to me right now. Oh, okay. Um, well, you think about getting one. Yeah, getting one, just picking one up. Yeah. well it's like a really interesting uh you know i had interviewed my friend jesse fillingham who just had his first kid i think the child's only i don't know three months old and i'm just curious about that dynamic of being an artist which is rather egocentric and being a parent which is should be the opposite and and finding time to keep making art and not viewing it as the end of that life you know your own artistic life yeah, so that would be bad. That'd be horrible. Yeah, it'd be it'd be awful. Um, you know, I think it's different for like different phases. Like, you know, sure. three three months. You're kind of you're kind of in it. Um, like, I mean, your mind's kind of like just loosey goosey. You know, you're in like baby land. Yeah. Um, like, I was lucky because my wife was, like, uh, you know, super mom. So she uh, she was really great about just letting me keep, you know, maintaining my, my practice, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then over time, it's like, you know, you get more time and then... Um, then you're just back to normal again with with just a kid running around. Yeah. Do you feel like the time is more precious? You work more efficiently? Yeah. Yeah. You, you use it more wisely? Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, if you don't use it wisely, you, you regret it. And then you're like, oh, I got to wait till next time. Yeah. Every moment has meaning, it seems like, once you have a kid. I mean, you don't need to have a kid for that to happen, but. It certainly forces the issue. Yeah, even the other way around, you know, like, you know, s- spending time with her is like, uh, is like way meaningful. And then it like <laughs> yeah. makes your art more meaningful too, I think. Yeah, I mean, I see you're making plenty of work in the last three years, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, the, you know, pandemic really. True. That was kind of like, you know, off, awful it was. It was like kind of a, a blessing just because I get to hang out with her all day. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, then I lost my job and just, I just went fully into this. So it's probably uptick in the, the production. You plan on having more children? 
Wow, good question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a topic that uh, is discussed quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. At around three, I, I'm sure people start thinking that through. Yeah. You know, people really are plan it out. Like they go, you know, two year, two at two, it's like, well, we should have another kid. So they're like, I think two years apart is like what you ideally want. You would want them at, but I don't know if that matters. Apparently, I don't know. My sibling who's closest is four years older, but I don't know how much my parents are planning, to be frank. I don't, I think we plan the collective we a lot more now in terms of children. I think my parents were just having kids. They had five boys. Yeah, just letting them rip. Yeah. <laughs> where, where do you, are you uh, the youngest? Yeah, I'm the youngest. And I think I follow like the behavioral patterns of the youngest, you know? Yeah. They have a lot to say about that psychologically. But I am the youngest. Very fortunate to learn... You know, in some ways, I look at my four older brothers and I get to see what's going right and wrong, like they're guinea pigs. But <laughs> sometimes that can lead to like a hesitation, you know, like not having the naivete or faith just to do the damn thing in, in respect to marriage or children. Oh, yeah, I see that. You can overthink that. I think too much. Sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is their big commitments. So massive, I guess, massive. yeah, you would want to think about it a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, no doubt. But you think it's synergistic though, like having a child and making art. I mean, the work looks better. It looks like it's, it's getting better and it continues to get better. And, right. and I don't know if that's, you know, a consequence of having a child, but I'm sure you're learning things at a much more condensed rate. Yeah. It's also a lot of like, now I now I have someone that you know, I have to. She has to survive. True. And I have to like somehow facilitate that survival. So I th I just think you know I got to make some good stuff. Is that where the tarot deck is born out of here? This uh, dream tarot. You know, I I started that like uh, the week. Before she was born. Well. And, um, yeah, I think so. I just wanted, like, a project that was long. For sure. Like a child. Like a child, yeah. I always talk about that with social media. It's like, that'll get your your uh, sprinter muscles good, you know, like quick work, getting it up there, getting the, the satisfaction but it will definitely diminish your long distance running ability in terms of like 10 year project. But a yeah. child, a child is like uh, an art project that never ends. It's, it sounds like. Yeah. It's, it's the long haul. And it's like, um, at a certain point, you know, right now it's like, well, I, you know, I can just like show her stuff, but she's like, she's into what she's into. Yeah, and it's like I can't like you know dissuade her out of you know certain things, so I just have to like go along with what what she's into. I think art, I think good art might behave that way, process wise. Oh well, yeah, I ho hopefully like collab, <laughs> you know, collaborations at least. You know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't make art in the way where I, th I feel like I know what I'm going to make. In other words, I don't make propaganda. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, well, that, yeah, that's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, in, <laughs> and uh, that's tricky. That's tricky in this age in which, uh, you know, like there's this direct one-to-one -one correlation with what you make and what you're morally or politically responsible for. I think yeah. that's I think that's pretty restrictive and not a generally a good view. But um, same thing with a child. Like, I, I there must be a a period where you're like, I mean, they're going to go off and do whatever the hell they want to do, good or bad. And yeah. people correlate it to, to parents. I mean, parenting definitely has an impact, but I think there's some brutal truths at play there where it's like, you know, some things are definitely beyond your control. I would assume having a kid teaches you that pretty quickly. 
Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the main thing is like, well, like, you know, you grow up and you're like indoctrinated with all the stuff that your parents tell you or like, or wh- however you grew up in whatever system. But if I could somehow plant the idea that all that is kind of bullshit while still maintaining some type of, you know, parental influence. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. that's the sweet spot I'm kind of aiming for. Yeah. You're trying to be uh, exposing authority's weakness while being an authority on the matter. It's tricky. Yeah. It's very tricky. <laughs> it's very tricky. Cause like, yeah, yeah I mean, you are the guiding force. So there's a hierarchy there. Uh, you're imparting some knowledge that they don't quite yet have, at least from how I see it. I don't know yeah. if that's accurate, but. I mean, they're pretty resistant. Oh yeah. At least you know, to yeah. most things. So, I mean, maybe that's just like, just let them be. Maybe it's just be way hands off. It's tricky. Yeah. I can't, I can't speak, you know, I haven't done it. And even when you do it once, you can't even really, it's one of, that's the funny thing about it. I mean, my mom and dad have five kids. I don't even know if they would be so brazen to say that they're the authority on how this or that kid should be raised. It's, it's not like a machine. Yeah. You know, you yeah, got, you figured it out. There's really no authority, but yeah. I, I have heard like for parents who have like more than one, like the first one's kind of like, the test run. <laughs> it's like, you know, the, the other ones, like, yeah, they just kind of do what they do. What about yeah. the fifth one? The f- I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing you probably had it pretty easy. Oh, yeah. I think I did. You know, um, I think I got the most condensed, compressed parenting possible. They knew when to be there, when not to be there, because they saw what worked and what didn't. So that's what I'm saying. I'm fortunate. Yeah. You know, that's you. Are you have any siblings? I do. I have uh, like a stepbrother and and two half brothers. So I went from being like an only child to being mm-hmm. a middle ch- middle child. Right. Like, right. That's complicated. So Howard are you sustaining this situation? You said you quit your job, the one we were talking about? Um, yeah, but I, I left that one um, to move to where we are now, which is uh, Pasadena. Hmm. And I was working at a like a float place. Like a oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw you. Yeah. That may have been the last time I saw you was when I, the only time I've ever done a sensory deprivation float oh uh, yeah how'd you like it i liked it but it was expensive and uh i guess if it was free i would do it a lot but uh you know i've been doing ice baths and i'm quite content with that as a solution a cheap solution oh yeah i like i like the cold showers mm-hmm. but there's nothing like bath. a bath nothing you gotta like, do yeah. the bath just sitting in it. Oh, it's, you know, Wim Hof. I'm very, I very much love that man. Yeah. He's beautiful. <laughs> he is. So what happened after the deprivation? Well, uh, you know, COVID that. Oh, had to shut down Cause it's like, <laughs> you're yeah. floating in fluids. <laughs> yeah. I was floating in an enclosed tank. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Didn't even think about that. That yeah. sucks. So everyone pretty much got, you know, like, uh, they're, they're open again now, which is great. They like survived it. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, after that, I was just like, Oh, I gotta, I really got to jam on, on this, this stuff and try to come up with some gigs or. So that's been working out. It has. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, you know, we're still here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're selling Sculpey Frogs on the website. Sold out. Yep. Yep. Had had about five of them. <laughs> that's that's sixty bucks right there. <laughs> there you go. 
So that was like a, that was like a couple meals. And then, yeah, just, you know, doing whatever to get by. When did we meet? Do you remember? Oh, that's a tough one. We definitely met in Oakland. I want to say we met at that spot. Maybe we're having a show. That's probably where we met. And then we, I think we just naturally hit it off. I think you were having a a show at that skate spot. I really don't recall the name of. Oh, yeah. Session Space. Yeah, because I used to work at Pepples. It was right over there. Pepples Donuts. Oh, you worked at the donut shop? Yeah. That was the last, what I would call, real job I had at Dishwasher. Um, Nice. And then, yeah, I was making, that's like when I started making comics around that time, same time. And, uh, yeah, that was a hell of a time. I don't miss Oakland. I don't miss, frankly, I don't miss California, but I'm from New Jersey. So I think it's only natural that I came back here and found, I suppose, what I was looking for. Oh, yeah, it's good to, good to go and journey. Are you from I, California? No, I'm from I'm from Ohio. Oh, I forgot this detail. Yeah, Toledo, Ohio. Um, wow. So I don't foresee myself going <laughs> back there. Yeah, some of us. I mean, that's a rougher hand. New Jersey's pretty nice, honestly. Especially when I'm like 20 minutes from New York City. If I really wanted that, yeah. But uh, Toledo, I don't know much about. But oh, from really? what I Close to Detroit. Oh yeah, and it's and you know I, I don't want to like I love Toledo. Yeah, yeah, it's cheap. Um, they got some strange politics, mm-hmm. uh, but it's in the middle of the country, so I guess that's what it is. Yeah, and how did you arrive? I don't know if you share this information. How did you arrive at Dang? Uh, it was like a progression of uh well from dan and danny oh you're daniel yeah to uh to dano (laughs) to danzo okay to dango oh this is a long it was like yes very long do you do tarot readings yeah i've been um I've been doing them a lot more recently. Uh, it's been pretty, pretty great. Um, it takes me a second to like, you know, you see people, they like flip it over and they're like instantly rambling some stuff off at you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do it in a way where it just takes a second for me to like, really see what the connections are i guess so i'm a little slow but um you doing that for yourself or others i've been doing it for others um you know i've just started to more recently doing it for others like within the last week actually Um, with your with your own deck yeah do you do that digitally or, or physically like do you do it remotely I um I can. I mean that's a cool angle. I like that idea. You know, you make the deck, you do the readings. That's that's interesting. Yeah. I uh I tried to do a couple readings like a while ago without knowing like the technological side of and they're awful. I was like What do you, you mean? Know, you know, like some uh like on Zoom or something. Yeah. Like you move left, but the it moves right. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't focus on anything, <laughs> and uh, I was starting to sweat. <laughs> it, was, it was just a. This is what Zoom. This is the consequence of Zoom. Yeah, I think so. Never heard of those symptoms. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I don't talk to many many folks uh, with the. Through the computer, so I'd like to learn. I'd like to get better at zooming. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it's probably an easy thing to do, but um I mean it's strange and in, in reality it's pretty strange. I think a tarot reading would ideally be in person, but I just think that's an interesting angle, like to introduce people to your cards and, and their language. And uh it's just a major arcana or you did all of them? I did all of them. Oh you did? Yeah. How long did that take? Um it took about two and a half years. Um, I did some cards I like did multiple takes of, and then, you know, at the end of like that amount of time, the ones you did in the beginning, you're like, wow, these don't even fit at all. So I ended up doing around a little around a hundred cards. And, uh, yeah, they're all, they're all painted like, uh, I think seven by 12. Yeah, they look clean. Tight. Yeah. Then I had to digitally do some stuff on them, which took a little more time. But Did you have, like, apprehension about interpreting such loaded and uh, historically weighted symbols? Um, or you, you just don't give a fuck? <laughs> no, I, I gave a pretty big fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, sound, it sounds uh, daunting. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, at first I thought, oh, I'll just make it and I'll just like copies, you know, kind of do my own riff on whatever the, the rider weight deck. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, nah, nah, you got, I've got to learn a little bit more. And then that just took me in the whole, whole wormhole of like, uh, I got really into like, uh, Crawley's Thoth deck. And most of the interpretations are based on on that deck. Mm. There's so many so many decks and so many different you know variances on the meanings and some are like you know contradictory. So I just had to kind of go with you know what my gut said. Yeah, I feel like the first time I saw the tarot. And read some books on it. I started thinking about how much weight symbols could have a lot differently, especially symbols that were inherited. Typically before that, I was just using what I, which is ridiculous, but I I thought of it as my own uh, vernacular, Mm -hmm. which of course was not true. Um, But yeah, with tarot, it's almost trying to communicate. I don't know. There's so much depth to the symbols and the way they relate. I think it changed the way I thought about drawing. I don't know if you can relate to that, like moving from a personal symbology to something much bigger, even if you don't have direct correlation to what those things mean specifically. Oh yeah. You're like, uh, you're like participating in it. Right. Yeah. I I feel that, you know, I, I was just listening to something the other night about, um, you know, these guys were talking about tarot on this podcast and they're saying, you know, don't even just look at the cards and what they feel like to you. You know, just look at the symbols and let them speak to you. And then, you know, looking at the book and reading like what it means or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like beyond words what the symbols are. Right. Let it talk back. Yeah. I think that's for me, that's the interesting thing. You know, good art should, in some sense, be like making a child. It's not just a product or object that is secreted, but it's a thing that should keep talking back and talking back in different ways over time, indefinitely, um, and have enough life within it, contained within it, that it can basically grow. You know, a lot of a lot of art that's bad, and I'm sure I've made it, is just either a, a it's just a wall just a cube that you can't penetrate and doesn't give anything back to you yes i i agree with you there yeah but i, I think early in the pro, like when you're in your 20s that's pretty natural to not be able to imbue the art with anything lively yeah it's like it's like a magical process you know you're uh, 
putting your energy into something that's going to contain it. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, that magical process is the only reason I think I was re-imbued with a certain liveliness and respect to being raised Catholic, then going your standard kind of quote unquote atheist scientific materialist route as a reaction in, in high school. And then I happened to draw my way out of that back to, I would say Christianity in a, in a mystical way, but in a way I realized like, Oh wow, these processes are, these mundane things are super magical and it gave all of life that feeling. And I'm sure having a child, I mean, having a child is, is very magical, but I don't think it's talked about like that. I think it's often reduced to a very crude materialism that I personally dislike. And I dislike when art is talked about like that, like it's just kind of remixing culture, which I don't quite believe it to be that. Yeah. I mean, on, well, yeah, on one level, it's like, okay, you're, you're passing your DNA along and you're keeping alive this human chain, which is amazing in itself, you know? Yes. And then, but this, like, um, yeah, they're, they're living beings that are like, you're just living with a, a this crazy channel of uh it, i don't know what they're channeling you know <laughs> it, it seems like she talks she's like talking about i don't know if she has like past lives or something but she's got this such a imagination and like this whole world she's got this imaginary friend mono that was like her sister mm. i don't know where she, she comes up with this stuff but it's like you really have to like respect this person as like it's their own thing, you know. They're not like a possession or like an object. No, I mean, it would, if it if it were to be an object or a product, it would be quite the raw deal in terms of how much time you had to put in into it, you know. Yeah, if you don't see the beauty, I could see it as being a, a treacherous path. Uh, just I mean, just a burden you know i just think it's funny how like some people compare like you know their car or their boat like that's that's my baby there mm, that's interesting <laughs> so that is, like, maybe they're imbuing the object if we're being like giving them the benefit of the doubt maybe they revere it so much they're giving it that uh that that what we were talking about earlier that ability to talk back to them you know i've had that relationship with a car before so i think i might get it but again, yeah. I haven't had a kid, so. Yeah, I, I guess people can do whatever <laughs> they want. They could say whatever they want, you know. Of course, anything can be the, anything can be your baby. <laughs> that's a that's a good tagline. <laughs> that's a good shirt. <laughs> um, yeah, were you raised? What were you raised? Anything in particular? Christian. Um, atheist. I was, I didn't have any, any really, any of that. Really? My mom only says I was baptized Catholic by a monsignor, so that makes me Catholic. Okay. And, um, that was the extent of it. We never, but, we never yeah, went yeah. to church. We never, like, talked about it. We didn't, like, read the Bible or anything. Um, yeah, it's interesting from the perspective of these symbol structures. Like I used to resent it a bit, but uh, maybe because I thought it's a pretty weighty thing to have on your shoulders. If you take it seriously as a child, you know, I took hell very seriously sure. and, uh, and I actually think it probably made me more creative because just imagining hell is a exercise that really summons a lot, a lot of imagery, but, you know, thinking about the tarot and I've been thinking about what, you know, raising a child devoid of these kind of symbol structures or any symbol structure and kind of just telling them like, Oh, Santa doesn't exist. And 
you just need to know facts and and that's it i think montessori if i'm correct is almost like that where they don't read books with any fantasy elements they only think about like what can exist hmm. uh that's a very interesting decision a parent has to make more and more in a conscious way because there's not like one culture we exist in where they're absorbing it you know just by existing so yeah. now now we're imposing a symbol structure and i'm sure it could be almost tempting for you to build that symbol structure as you know as you are building this tarot for her in some ways or at least participate in it with her i don't know if she draws a lot yeah she she draws um yeah she's getting more and more into drawing but um but yeah like with the, the holidays or whatever I, mean, I could see like you know christmas uh, Easter, like, try to, they're just like trying to sell products or, or whatnot. But those like stories are pretty rad, you know, like where Santa Claus came from and, oh yeah, you know, eating mushrooms and feeding reindeer mushrooms. And <laughs> yeah, I think that I used to think the solution was abandoning those things. And then I realized, well, you'll, you'll pretty much just end up with no demarcation of like a sacred day or a important day so now i try to respect that while refining or revising it i would agree that aesthetically modern christianity is pretty bankrupt and uninteresting i don't know where that comes from but i'm kind of interested in like how could you make those things appealing again without just throwing them out isn't that the talladega nights movie (laughs) i don't know (laughs) what do you mean i don't know I don't know. It just seems like uh, uh, just that opening scene where they're all eating Taco Bell and Doritos and that they're like talking about baby Jesus. <laughs> I don't know what America's doing right now, but that seemed like a good, yeah, good slice of it. Like whenever that came out, I admit I don't recall that scene. It's probably it's so long ago. I don't know why it popped in my head yeah that that question of i don't know i think about that a lot the the symbols that the child's raised around and within even if they don't understand it i just think about i just think kids should have potent magical symbols you know i don't i don't know which ones but they have plenty of time to become jaded and and overly scientific and overly empirical that's what high school and that whole phase is, is for, I think. Yeah. I think they mostly will come up with their own. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their own magic, which, which I think like there's some, you know, unconscious, uh, drive to like give objects, you know, more meaning than what they are, which is, it's, I think it's a human thing. I don't know why you'd want to suppress it. I don't know either. I think it stems from that idea that that is a lie or a, or a f- illusion that is of no benefit. You know, like same way people might talk about a hallucination as an unreal event, as a deviation from normalcy, instead of mm-hmm. acknowledging that it really happened for that person. It may not apply the same way as like a, a law of physics in, in that way, but it's real. It certainly happened for them. And, and it's, it's a weird, I think it's a fear that seeks to get rid of that. And you're right. You would, you would have to, you don't, if you actively let a child be themselves, they will be magical. If you want to crush that for whatever reason, you can do that as well. And, uh, I don't know why you would, you know, like, uh, go ahead. Crushers out there. I know. A lot of people want to crush some dreams. Yeah, they're really, I don't know what that is. I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe it's jealousy. Bad guy. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it is. Because children jealousy. are pretty intimidatingly magical at times. And you're like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Stop this magic now. <laughs> That's true. I mean, but you know, like metaphysics like 
they talk about stuff that's bonkers. <laughs> no one knows what's going on. And like to, to think that science has any answers. Um, and they're always being like totally changed all the time. Yeah. So there's no static truth to be found there. Yeah. Everything's like just a wiggle jiggle. So a wiggle jiggle. Yeah. I mean, I see that in your art. A lot of wiggles. A lot a of jiggles. Bit of jiggles yeah. <laughs> when you were a child, did you think you were going to be an artist? Um. Yes. Well, it was if the NBA didn't work out, it was it was my fallback. Forgot. Yeah, we played basketball. You're very. You're like a stick bug. <laughs> Strong. <laughs> that that was my name in high school. Stick bug. <laughs> I forgot you were exceptionally good. We played maybe once or twice. But uh, you were yeah, very good at basketball, fun. right? I used I used to be. Um, like, how know. good are we talking? Is is that a joke? If the NBA didn't work out, because you're pretty tall, right? Uh, I I think I probably need to be a little taller. I mean, Muggsy Bogues is out there. That's true. That's so. True. Um, I didn't. I was not. Um, I don't know. I was not committed enough, maybe, to be the Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> <laughs> I like the artist sport sportsman dynamic because I relate to that. I've always found that an interesting and rare breed. When I went to art school, it was like I had to rally the troops just to get a wall ball game going or any type of physical activity. And I feel like that divide of body and mind is very strange as if we're supposed to just neglect our bodies while we make art. Yeah. That's, that's uh that's a recipe for disaster. And I remember you experimenting with some things on fasting, like pretty extreme fasting. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm on, I'm doing this. Um, I'm doing this like sure, no sugar, no starch. No, uh, yeah, no gluten. It's just kind of becoming my um, my regular diet right now. Um, yeah, just you know, trying to trying different stuff out, seeing what works. That's cool. But I am kind of so like at what age? I don't really know your trajectory as an artist in terms of when you started taking it seriously. If you went to school, if you drew as a little kid and people were like, Oh, you're good at drawing. You should keep doing this. Or if it's something that developed later on. Uh, I think I, my earliest memories are, is drawing. And that pretty much all I did as a kid, um, draw these books. And then like my grandpa would, I'd tell my grandpa the words and he'd write the words in. So I got <laughs> all these like, uh, stories from when I was like four and five. Nice. And I just kept on making like comic, you know, superheroes, drawing a lot of superheroes. Uh, I never went to art school. I kind of got really into drugs in high school. Mm-hmm. And kind of drift, drifted around for a while. Are you still really into drugs? Mm, I, I wouldn't say at that. Not at that clip. That level? No. I, I, I do like to, you know, indulge in uh, in a psychedelic every, every now and again. Mm-hmm. But even with, you know, even with a kid, it's like, it's, for me, it's just tough to find the time to, 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 <laughs> right. to do that. Um, but there are like, you know, short ones. DMT is pretty quick do that on your lunch break <laughs> last <laughs> memories last forever um yeah so yeah do what i can yeah that's interesting so you you drew as a young child you did drugs for a long time and then you found your way into just making paintings and in, in the bay area oh um 
or is there a, is there a phase between that there's there's many multiple phases i was like an oil painter for a while um, like a traditional one uh, i mean in the tradition that i i use oil paint <laughs> yeah but i used to do like these really big um, paintings this is like when i was around 20 and i had like i had a drug dealer friend who was like super into them so i'd paint him these paintings and he'd you know give me like you know a quarter pound of weed or whatever and mm-hmm. that was like i was like oh man people i can get rid of these and exchange it for things so then i sort of just started uh yeah just trying to trying to show them but I think at some point I got really, um, something happened where I started working smaller and then I was like digging my way into this, like, you know, made up world and not really trying to pursue showing them or like, yeah. Yeah. I was just in like a, in my head for like a decade. And I think it's probably coming out of it around the time I, I met you. Interesting. Yeah, that show I saw seemed very dense, if I recall correctly. As yeah. if as if someone had been uh reclusively drawing for quite some time. Yeah. And I uh, assume, you know, for me, like my whole life I don't do drugs and like but people always, especially in high school, would talk to me like you must have been on drugs to make this. And it always pissed me off. This <laughs> idea, this idea to like creatively make anything, you must have been on drugs. But I assume for you that that's not a, like, it's pretty readily available through the image itself that there's kind of like a acceptance of the drugginess of the drawings, if that makes sense. So surely it doesn't bother you if someone says, were you on drugs when you made this? No, it doesn't bother me. But you probably weren't on drugs when you made them, correct? I probably wasn't. <laughs> it's pretty hard to make things on drugs, I assume. You know, I used to do that a lot, and it was mm-hmm. really fun. Um, but yeah. I try to just remember as much as I can, and just enjoy, just enjoy what you're doing at the moment. You know. Or would you say these images are trying to transmit that information? those experiences a lot of them are, are, are memories really um, to the best of my ability you know and then sometimes you know well you got other stuff in your, your memories too that just work their way inside so i'd say it's probably like you know half yeah yeah half experience and half you know whatever's floating around in my dome. Would you identify as a hippie? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I, only, I only ask because <laughs> the, the web address to your, uh, your shop is new age dang brains. Oh yeah. And, uh, I think it's interesting. I'm not, it's, it's neither here nor there, but like I said, if someone were to identify as such and they, they like to do drugs and tie dye, et cetera, I think it's, it makes a lot more sense than if I were to identify as a hippie or something. But how do you view that movement in general? Um, or new age stuff, you know, I'm kind of interested in like, if you subscribe to anything or, or by association, you're kind of clumped into something. How do you feel about that? It's funny. I don't, I don't know what I'm associated with. I feel like I'm on the, edge of all these circles but not really not really in one <laughs> that's funny it's exactly how i describe every good artist i know is that they're always on the edge of a circle and that they they're really they should be really uh what would you say suspicious of those in the center of the circle who just identify as that thing yeah well, yeah it's good. It's good for them that they have like a, a you know solid identity if that's what works for them. It's healthy. Um, I think it's healthy. I think they preserve the form and the circle that the artist stands on the outside of. But uh, I don't think they make good art typically because they're reduced to like a category 
or caricature of the form that they're preserving. They're more like a landmark than an act of creation. <laughs> oh yeah, like a, like a welcome sign. Exactly. You know you're you know you're at the punk show because you just saw that guy dressed like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and such an interesting commonality that I hear, like that kind of hovering on the outside of the category, like a gargoyle on the outside of a church. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool to be a gargoyle. Um, I mean, I get maybe. I think their function is essentially to scare other scary things away. I could yeah, be wrong, but yeah. I like believe. Scarecrow. Um, yeah, I take gargoyle over that. No, but that qu- the question of like uh, we in- invariably are identified with certain things. Our audience yes. kind of forms around us, and then we are in the middle of some circle. Uh, you know, it's a different thing, but I think it's interesting. From what I see visually, you own it. You know, there's no shyness about that. Thanks. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's like the identity is clear. I would say in a good way. Well, that's good. Then it's, it's all. It's all been worth it. Well, it's not. It's not over yet. It's certainly not even far. It's far from over. Um, I forget. You are older than I recall, though, because of all the fasting and you know. I believe I you're old. You're. I believe you're older than I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I think the, I'm right. I'm at the end, man. Yeah, you could be. I mean, I believe. I think you even refused to tell me your age because I was like, "When did you? You know, when did you play basketball?" It's oh, like yeah. you, It's like you lived many. Like, you could have been an NBA player in the past, for all I know. That'd be sweet. And you could be 80. <laughs> but I don't know that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole uh, uh, Mario Martinez, not so like, uh, you know, if you tell someone your age, then they, they have an idea of what you're supposed to be, too. So, Who's Try Mario that? Martinez? Mario Martinez, he's a... He's a uh, epigenologist. Like, he I'm looking him up. He, yeah, neuropsychologist. Neuropsychologist, like epigenetics, and like um, nice. And he works with like uh, centenarians, centenarians, people over those hundreds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seeing how they. Uh, that's cool. See, what age do you want to? What age do you want to live to? You oh, pick man, an age. You going all the way? I could go all the way. What do you what's think? All, you, what's all the way? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just dying. Honestly, pretty yeah. sure that's it. You into like uh, transhumanism and being disembodied and and all that? You so think it's like a good put, putting yourself into a computer chip? I mean, just the concept of being divorced from the body and trying to, you know, transcend its limitations as if it's some dirty shell to cast aside. Obviously, I don't like the idea, but. Well, you know, know I think that's like kind of like you're going to be doing that anyway. Mm. So. That's my point. I think people are scared of just really what's going to happen. And they're trying, <laughs> they're trying to just do the same thing put in like a more so they can maintain some type of control. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're, you're a man who's died many times. It feels that way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, even when I didn't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What do you got next? What are you working on next? Um, I would like to, I'd like to, gear myself more towards like some children's books i was gonna say that i really like this alphabet poster and i think that's the most sustainable way to keep making work when you have a child is you know to acknowledge you have a child and make things for them and with them and uh basically just accept you are in that next phase you know you have you have the child so I, I like this poster and I think it's very interesting where 
where art goes when you're stripped of that coolness in a sense, you know, like I don't think people think having kids are cool, especially in the art community, but I think it can be cool. Yeah. Until you have one, then you're like, well, this is like the coolest thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I I just want to hear more positive dialogue about children. I think it's like, there's a little bit too much. Is there a plague or virus on the earth dialogue? going around yeah i mean and it's like it's like how can you say that as a human and i don't know there's something very misanthropic about that yeah because i think they all want to be inside their uh, computer chip and and have all the space i know (laughs) wouldn't it be my fear is like i don't know it's like a trap you know like a ghostbusters or something where all the people trying to go in that direction are going to get caught in some actual hell that's infinite and and disembodied and looping. Uh, that's like, a good movie idea right there i'm sure somebody's made it <laughs> horrifying uh yeah but i really like this poster i think it's i think it's a cool step in that direction that you like kids books and i'm particularly fond of the witch yeah i like the witch very very like like that style is real nice really clear yeah, the clarity of that line works. The ant's really nice too. I nailed it with the witch. The witch and the ant. But the witch is probably. What do you? How do you feel about witches? I'm in. I'm into. I'm into it. <laughs> I can. I can tone it. <laughs> yeah, more people should become witches. It's quite the statement. You should have a. They should have their own political party. I don't think they roll like that. They're too powerful to to kind of amass in that kind of overt way. They don't, you know. That's that's what we need. <laughs> nah, I think they. I feel like are there ever more than three witches together? I don't know what how they run, but there's more witches than you think. I'm pretty sure. I le- I learned later in life that there was more women I knew casting spells than I had previously known. Yeah. I was naive. <laughs> Did you ever get um, spells yeah. casted? Yeah. Oh, Stuff. 100%. Positive nice. and negative. And there's no doubt. And as a man, I don't even know if I can counter spell. I don't think I can. I, I don't even can. know. I think you think? You can. Yeah. Well, it's tricky, man. I don't know, like... Uh, I mean, we don't need to go down the pagan versus Christian route. It's very complicated. But uh, I'm like legit. The way I knew I started to think these things are real is I'm legitimately scared of Crowley and casting spells and sigils. And like I I learned through my fear that I think they're real. I was just like, I, I'm not touching this. You know, I couldn't be flipping about it. I was like, there's clearly some shit going on. There. Yeah, that's how I felt about aliens when I was a kid. Huh. It's like that had to be they have to be real. You still feel that way about aliens? Probably. Talking about the talking about the greys? Yeah, the greys. I think there's probably, you know, definitely some other um entities probably visiting more than the greys, but yeah. Yeah, extra dimensionals. Yeah, you got aliens in these paintings, right? I feel like they pop up quite often. Yeah, there's some alien alien stuff. Just... You know, what I like, uh, the progression I'm seeing is that, you know, it's taking, there's the tie-dye, that the smiley faces, the, the hippie symbols. That's kind of why I asked the question. Like, the kind of, the pop art of hippie language. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I feel like as you progress, they're gaining their own, their, a new context more. Yeah, they definitely change. I mean, I think, of, first I think of more into like rave culture than, than hippie culture. I don't know the distinction. Um, I think, the, you know, smiley face was like big rave symbol. Okay. Um, yeah, house music is like that. That speaks to me way more than 
any noodling on on a guitar. Um, okay, yeah, like Jerry Garcia or something. Yeah, I don't want to name names. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you still yeah. go to raves or no? Uh, it, you know, it's hard hard for me to get out much. I was gonna say, like, you know, I'm not particularly. I don't know if that means you're hedonistic, but like, it sounds like if you were hedonistic, having a child would be kind of a really shocking, difficult transition. <laughs> but maybe you got out of your system. I don't know how these things work, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause like, it seems, I don't know. I've been asking myself a lot about, I think I know what a mature, normal person is, but I think the artist has a different challenge in reaching maturity and of course because they have to preserve the childlike thing that allows them to make something make art and i think oftentimes people think that means being childish which is wrong because i know a lot of childish artists but there is something really appealing to me about that challenge how do you you know be a fully realized adult with responsibilities and a child and and a wife and preserve something that seems almost uh contradictory to it which i don't believe it is but that that childlike ability to spontaneously play when you sit down to draw i mean it, it sounds like a real true challenge i i don't know you know i don't i've been like wrapped up in this thing you know, mm-hmm. since i was a kid so i just uh i just i just do it it's like i I if I don't do it, then I get uptight. Right, you have no uh, choice. So yeah. you're gonna you're gonna find the time. I'm gonna find the time. Um, I think that's the truth. You know, even if you have five kids in the end, I think yeah, you're gonna find the time. You'll find the time. And I truly believe you're gonna use that time very respectfully. Yeah, and if you don't, then you know, I guess you are how you spend your time. You know, true. If you want to watch, you know, uh, I don't know what show do people watch these days. I don't know. Neither do I. I don't. <laughs> I like movies, but TV is just too much. Just yeah. too much. But they know. They know what they're watching out there. They know. They know. <laughs> well. It was good catching up. Dude, so good to talk to you. Yeah. We'll we'll meet again one day. Yeah, you coming out here anytime? Hmm. I think I will. I still have a lot of friends out there. But uh, I'm over here working on this art center in uh, my hometown. Or not my hometown, but the town I live in currently. Rutherford, New Jersey. So we'll get you over here one day. It's going to be a massive project that's hopefully going to serve the community very well. And that's, you know, that's something I think about, like how can you expand outside of drawing in your room? I I was pretty discontent as someone just drawing comics in a room as a human. And, Mm -hmm. and I was uh, now and more, it's interested in how do you expand out that kind of sphere, sphere of responsibility and influence, uh, whether it be, you know, I run a fabrication and design company with my friend. So for me, that's like a service act more than an expressive thing. And then the art center is like a communal thing. And I think naturally you you start wondering, well, child is the next, you know, that's a, a way to get outside of yourself. Cause I think a lot of harm is done by staying too much inside yourself. And I think that's a weird problem for an artist. You know, they, they often deteriorate physically as they express these things uh the host is just discarded by the parasite which is the idea and mm-hmm. <laughs> and i guess you know i don't think that's inevitable maybe i'm being convenient but i feel like there's a way to do it all a responsible way a beautiful way where you don't have to completely fall apart mentally and physically and and you can foster growth in other people non-artists you know i'm in a suburb so a suburban community etc you know well i think that's uh i mean that sounds like the 
ideal, noble thing to to do. Yeah, you know, you you want you want people to be a part of it. For I sure. Think, yeah, I think if you can pass it, pass it along, and involve people, and and then you know, still not let yourself, uh, yeah, fall apart, then. Um, <laughs> They're doing something. You're doing a good thing. Yeah, sometimes it feels so good to help other people and to facilitate other people making things. I think you have to be careful to not let it satiate your personal expression. But I can already feel that. Like, wow, it feels so nice to step outside myself and and help other people. But I still got to remember at the end of the day, there's something to express on my end. And yeah. without without that cycle, I'm going to be probably resentful within a, a year or two. You know, of <laughs> <I bet laughs> everyone you help. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I don't put anything past my immaturity. Uh, I I don't put anything past mine either. <laughs> but yeah, I will. Uh, I'll do my best to come out there soon, for sure. Right on. I owe it to the state of California. I think, yeah, I think it's, I think I read that somewhere. <laughs> and if you feel you owe it to the state of New Jersey, which you've oh, probably never been to. I, yeah, definitely been deprived of New Jersey. It's a real deprivation, not sensory deprivation, but it's real. Garden state. Yeah, it's not right? that either. No, it's not. No, it is, but it isn't. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, but when the center is done, yeah, we're doing a lot of exciting things. You should come through because tonight we're playing board games. It's going to be at least eight to ten dweebs playing D&D. Awesome. That sounds like my kind of party. Yeah. Then the rest of us dweebs will be playing any kind of board game we like. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that sounds like my kind of party. Oh, yeah. Kids are welcome. We got little kids playing, too. We're trying to rebuild the village. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I'm trying to do here. Well, you got to get busy then. Yeah, well, it's, it's like a micro village. More like, more like dog tooth. Oof. That is a wild film. Yeah, I couldn't do that to anybody. But yeah, man, anytime. I'd love to. All right. Yeah. So this is the third one I recorded. And I'm just figuring out like the title and the intro music and all that. But I want to make like 10 episodes, about an hour long, and then then I'll start releasing them. But so far, it's been you, Neve, and my friend Jesse Fillingham. I think you met Jesse. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I had a kid. Yeah. And, uh, no, I think it's going well, and I'm trying to just keep it casual while filling people in on artists they might not know. Or if they do know, I hope they get some depth out of it. You know, They can look at the work if they already know your work and see something deeper. But I am also interested in, like, I know you won't disclose your age, but as I get into my 30s, I'm just interested in the path beyond what I view as like a kind of selfish phase in the twenties where maybe you're collecting the nuts as a squirrel. And maybe that means certain drug experiences, hedonistic experiences, traveling, et cetera. But I don't think a life like that lived in until you die is a good one per se. I think there has to be the active transmutation and giving it back. So I'm interested in that phase of artists where how they juggle the reality of providing for other people, whether financially or emotionally while making their own work without, uh, everything suffering around them, you know? Yeah. That's a good good topic. I think that's going to be my main focus, you know, like, uh, some people don't have kids, but I still think this reality hits people no matter what, as death feels closer. And the thirties is a really beautiful I mean, you're about 85, so you it's probably hard for you to remember, but it's a beautiful time period. 
Yeah, I remember the 30s. Yeah. The ni- the 1930s. <laughs> you're actually a hundred you're the reason you know about that man's work, you're over a hundred years old. He's studying you. Yeah. Um, but maybe we speak again down the line if I keep it going. I'll keep it going no matter what. But uh, Yeah, man, I really I really dig how you like uh great interviewer, great host. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Keeping it casual, you know? I was laying down, horizontal. Oh, cool. My spine spine was at probably a 30-degree angle. That's a good angle. Yeah. I'm not very... uh, I'm vertical for sports, squatting for art making, and horizontal for most of the day. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I know, man. I sit in this rickety chair. Oh I yeah, I, I hate really desks. Like, I really like mess myself myself up, like. Oh yeah, you know, can like uh, leg problems, you know, just from like drawing so long and not moving around. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It's so uh, sedentary life is difficult. I've been trying. I Boulder was playing soccer last week. Uh, the ice baths, man, they're no joke. Wim, Wim, no, Wim knows what's up. Yeah. So you just like, what do you, you just get a cold bath and then dump some ice in there? I don't have a bath. So I bought this like $50 plastic tub and I make wear uh, ice cubes and then uh-huh. I fill it up. And I'm, so I'm not spending like hundreds of dollars on ice. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to perfect the system soon. But for now, it's pretty, it's pretty simple and cheap. But I get it to around like forty degrees, and you get in there for ten minutes, and you just, you just, I, I don't know. It's a very uh, amazing feeling. I like the extremeness, right? Like sensory deprivation for my kind of mind is probably too subtle. Mm-hmm. Kind of have like an overly active mind, but when you get in that ice, it just kind of really forces the issue yeah and the breathing you know it's like about that deep that deep breathing uh, and i want to try this well when you yeah. come through i'll i'll have perfected it by then for sure <laughs> <laughs> and i too will be near immortal yeah that's what it's all about right yeah nearly <laughs> All right, have a good night. Good talk. Hey, you too. Thank you for listening. Music by Dory Bavarsky and Mingja Chin. Next week, we've got Ian Meltzer. Hope to see you then. Uh-huh.